hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. About technology. Fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thanks for joining us, Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 105. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech, my name is Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. And joining me each and every week, Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. G'day, Trevor. Good to be here with you. Kind of crazy. You're in Melbourne and I'm hours away from going to Melbourne, but we won't cross <laughs> paths. I mean... Two blokes yeah. can't get in the same room very easily. Uh, we apologise, but uh, always good to be here and always good to talk tech, which is what we do each and every week. Now, I know this is no call of duty, but uh, for me, it was a call of duty moment last week. Uh, you know, call of duty is Stephen's favourite game in the world, and uh, when it came out uh, last year, there was there was hype, there was excitement, there was midnight launches, and there was uh, the very early mornings playing the game. Now, Sim yep. City is that game for me, and last uh, Thursday morning, midnight, um, I waited, and uh, there it was, available to download on my computer, and I downloaded it, and I played it for... Uh, probably two hours in the morning and, and loved every minute of it. I thought it was unbelievable. And I spent pretty much all of Thursday um, reading reviews that said it was it was terrible, there was connectivity problems and all this kind of thing. And I thought, oh, it's a bit, a bit much, isn't it? And then I got home on Thursday night and couldn't play it for the life of me. Um, and it's taken days for them to get it right. Now, the problem here is... SimCity used to be a game you'd have on your computer, you'd install it, you'd play the game, you'd save your games, you'd save your cities, all those kind of things. Now, it's this big online thing. So, yes, you install yeah. a game, but everything you do happens on the internet. So, you, um, you, you your games are saved on the internet, you play the game with other people via the internet, and there is no way to play the game unless you're connected to the internet, yeah, sure. and their servers simply couldn't cope. They they didn't have the setup yeah. ready. It was embarrassing, mate. Absolutely. I think they seriously underestimated the demand on this game. And as you said, being an online game, the, the servers can only handle so much traffic at a certain time. There would have been uh, – they seriously underestimated the demand and traffic mm. for the game. And uh, and, and it's, it's been some, – some people were unable to play the game for days on yep. end. So if you Terrible. paid your money, you wouldn't be very happy. You're desperate to get back into a game. And, and as you said – and you're like many people who are just—it's a beloved game that you've—that's been part of your childhood, and now you—it's back with this brand new version. You'd be gutted that you can't get in there because of their server issues. And look, they're pretty much resolved now. I will say. So if you get the game now, you are about to be blown away. Now here's what's really cool for me. It was um was I played the game on my laptop. I've got a got a Lenovo X1, which is you know pretty good specs, but it's not amazing graphics machine, and so. I was just happy to be playing the game, and you know what, it looked okay, but there's a few moments where I thought, geez, the graphics there don't connect well, and all this kind of stuff, and it wasn't until I thought, maybe I'll try this on a, on a better machine, and I tried to run it in my in my Mac in, in VMware on Windows, and, and I had a lot of problems with that, it doesn't work very well, it crashes, but I did get in once, 
and using the the amazing processing power of the, of the machine that I've got here, I, I was blown away. The graphics, the graphics that are potentially available to you on this game are literally mind blowing, mate. This is this okay. is stunning graphics. It so, is it is shadows on buildings. It's trees in shadow. It's zoomed right into individual person level. It's unbelievable. And so I'm surprised though it's not a Mac a Mac native as well because there's a lot of a lot of people on the Mac platform. So you need a it's a Windows game that you need a Windows machine to run it. The Mac version comes out full in the, in the US, so it'll be out ah. basically next month, hopefully here. Okay. So and but the problem is you know they've got to get that right. Now they went through a long process. They had three open betas on this or closed betas um, that you had to get into, and they only lasted the betas only lasted three days. So you know what I say to EA. Bad luck, people. You really didn't try hard enough. They didn't test this hard enough. I don't think they misinterpreted the demand. I think they just completely stuffed up the launch. So it's quite disappointing. But let me just... I'll wrap it up with this. The bottom line here is now that the server issues are behind you, this game... um, is 9 out of 10 for for a city sim-style wow. lover. It's unbelievable. The, the big change for the game is this. Um, you play the game not really one-on-one anymore. You you, you don't, don't build a city. You build a city within a region, and those regions, you can either have multiple cities or other people you know or random people on the internet can take part, and you're now... Uh, engaging your city with other cities through trade and commerce and all these kind of things. So you've actually got to operate like a real city. You're not independent of itself. And that's what's really exciting about it. You're actually doing deals with other cities and uh, and the level of detail is unbelievable. The graphics wow. are amazing. So not a, not a hell, of a hell of a lot of weaponry and uh, first-person shooting then going on, is no, it? No, there is some, um, there is some <laughs> shooting. Uh, the police do get involved in, in shootings and murders and you can zoom right Excellent. in on those. Wow. Okay. But you're certainly not first-person over the shoulder of the cops. So not really... <laughs> A Stephen Fennec style game, but I can certainly tell you that it's an absolute crack if you're into anything around Sim. So, look, I, I would give it today, I'd give it a 9 out of 10, but as an overall, it's 9 out of 10 for gameplay, but it's 3 or 4 out of 10 for overall execution, which is really disappointing for the people at EA and Maxis, but they'll get over it, they'll move on, and I can't wait to be available on the Mac. Uh, you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennec. Well, I went along to an event uh, today, actually. First thing this morning, LG had their big event to announce uh, the Optimus G uh, Superphone, they're calling it. It's not a smartphone. It's a superphone. Well, it does have a lot of, uh, lot of interesting features to warrant that, that label. Uh, but what's, what was uh, most surprising was they, they kind of did an Apple on us today, Trev. They said that the LG Optimus G is available from today wow. on the Telstra network. So right. it was a bit of a surprise, the fact that you could literally walk up the street to a Telstra store and buy this device. Now, mm. quick rundown. It's got a 4.7-inch screen, it's, uh, which has got 1280 by 760 high-definition resolution. Uh, it's also got uh, a Snapdragon S4, so it's quad-core processor, 1.5 gigahertz, 13-megapixel camera running Android Jelly Bean, but a couple of cool features on this. Not a couple, mm-hmm. there's three or four that will make this phone, I think, uh, maybe stand out a little bit, Trev. Well, here's the thing. You've got to... You're running with a super phone tag because that's what they're saying. I just, I, I, we had this discussion at CES. I, I just fail to understand how something can be a super phone. So, blow me out of the park. What makes it a super phone? 
Well, there's four functions that I've highlighted in my little story about the launch today. One of them is called Q-Slide, and that, that refers to the fact you can run three different functions on the phone at the same time and adjust the transparency of the app so you can actually look at what's underneath it. That's oh, what the Q-Slide yeah. functionality does. That's one thing. Mm. Dual screen, dual play, which means you can actually do a, a mirror cast wirelessly uh, replicate your screen on a television. Mm. So, say, play a video for your kids. And then you can actually then do other things on your phone, like check your emails, your SMSs, watch YouTube, while that video is still playing on the screen. That's number two. Number three, time catch shot. Now, how many times have you tried to capture a shot and maybe miss the moment? Mm -hmm. With time catch shot, the camera starts recording pictures as soon as you open the camera app so that when you do do come to press the shutter, it gives you a two-second buffer. So you can go back in time two seconds from when you actually press the shutter to make sure you haven't missed the moment. Maybe you're trying to take a photo of your child or there's something that happened really fast that you missed and you may have captured. Uh, So that's another cool feature too. Uh, the last one I'll mention is quick memo. And how many times oh, – this happens to me a lot. You're on the phone and someone tries to give you a number and you, you want to write it down somewhere, hmm. uh, but it's very hard to find a bit of pen and paper trying to get the note application on your phone. With this, the L Optimus G, you can actually write on the screen during your call. So you can you press the two volume keys and it creates this little snapshot on the screen where you can actually write a phone number while you're on the call or take a note. You can even use that same function to capture a screen grab maybe of a map or a photo and you can write on it or draw on it and share it. It's similar to what the Galaxy Note 2 does but without a stylus. Uh, they're, they're just four of the features and, and there are a few more actually uh, that, are, that are on the device that sort of they're, they're quirky features that I think will be quite useful. Well, I've got to tell you, it doesn't strike me as a super phone. I mean, it's a great phone, and the camera battle is fantastic, isn't it? Everyone's trying to find another way to to, to gazump the others with their phone, uh, with their, their, their camera features. Um, I, I love the note-taking idea when you're on the phone, but all those things are really just software um, applications. You know, they're, they're, they're embedded parts of, of the Android operating system. They're enhancing. So great stuff, but, you know, as a phone... Well, on the hardware side, so uh, Trevor, the, the the screen is very, very impressive. Right, it's got it's got like the uh, the screen lamination, sort of where the the image is like almost like floating on top of the screen. Okay. Uh, the the, um, the so the resolution is pretty cool. Being able to to share your content really easily with the phone, and don't forget later this year, once their smartphone range comes out, then the Optimus G becomes the central part of your your smart home, if you like, because this is the device that will be able you be able to do a one touch NFC sharing of content pairing devices, and it, it gives you that, that connectivity story that my mother could even do one touch on top of the on the TV and your photos on the screen that's really simple stuff that's going to appeal to people because we've been promised a connected story sharing content i think this is going to finally deliver now with a really easy way yeah it's a nice looking uh, phone it's it's this is this is 2013 is an exciting year for mobile phones we've said it a few times um because the the, the gap is narrowing up that top end it really everyone is catching each other so much traffic too around with not only this optimus g the xperia z we've said it before htc one but this friday we're going to see the galaxy s4 hmm. you know there's so many handsets out there and and we haven't even spoken about the next iphone what well, that's going to happen so this is going to be the year of the smartphone if you're in the market for a smartphone people listeners if you want a phone i'd wait and see what all what all these new devices are going to be out in the next month or so before you make a choice 
Well, Google are you know really doing their best to to enhance their offering in a lot of ways, and Google Maps is one of the best things they do. We've seen that through the Apple Maps drama and all those different things. But they announced today uh, Android users, so all the people that are using those great smartphones from from all those companies, Samsung, Sony, LG, whatever it is, HTC. Um, get your Google Maps out and make sure you, you run the update because they've added a little function that, that's been available uh, in, a, in a few places overseas, but it's pretty it's a pretty good rollout here in Australia, indoor mapping. So basically, in a list of shopping centres that is extensively, basically every shopping, every major shopping centre in the East Coast and certainly all the major Westfields around the place, plus airports, train stations, some sports venues, museums, even your local IKEA, and, and God knows you need a map in IKEA, <laughs> um, you know, basically, while you're there, you can actually see the, the layout of the store so you can find where, where the store is. The thing I don't actually understand, frankly, is how allegedly the little little blue dot will work inside the stores. How does it know where you are? Well, I think it uses the 3G and 4G networks to kind of triangulate your position. might mm-hmm. not be as accurate as GPS, yeah, but, sure. but, but close enough. But uh, this is a terrific move from Google. And as you mentioned, you don't miss something until it's gone. And mm-hmm. when they took Google Maps off the iPhones and iPads, boy, did we miss them. And when they came back, we embraced them with open arms. Now that they're this update with including the indoor maps, you think of how handy it'll be, especially when you go to places like airports, mm. uh, sporting stadiums, places like that where you don't know where you really need to go. You know, casinos even are going to have a link. Down here in Melbourne, Crown Melbourne is one of the many uh, additions to it. And it's, I just walked back from dinner now and it was honestly, it was like a maze trying to find my way back here. So that's that's going to really help people really extend the value of Google Maps. And it's not, this is, you know what I love about this? This is probably one of my favourite announcements of a while because it's not just, hey, uh, and in fact, when I got the email, I thought it was a bit, you know, okay, Sydney Airport and a couple of shops. This is bloody everywhere. I mean, I'm up in the north and north, north of Sydney and, you know, Castle Towers, Hornsby, they're all there. Um, you know, even Centro Armadale, as Alex Gibbon pointed out on Gizmodo, like it's literally a whole stack of shops and it's, it's a great thing that it's so diverse and includes so many places. You know, you're talking about train stations like, um, you know, Southern Cross and Flinders Street down in Melbourne, Circular Quay, Wynyard and Chatswood. I mean, it's it's a really great thing, and uh, I just think it's fantastic stuff. And Google, you know, put put aside any of the people's hatred for them for whatever reason. I'm not I'm not a hater <laughs> of Google, but um, you know, it's 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 bloody great innovation. I love their mapping. I got a question though, Trevor. Yes, it's, are they going to have shop view as well? Like you know, you got Street View. Well, they do. Are they going to offer Shop View in America? They do. In America, wow. I actually thought when I got this email from Google, I actually thought that's what they were launching. So I immediately went to look, but I misinterpreted it. But they do have because they have backpacks. They have you know the stupid cameras and everything on people walking through, and that's that's what you can do. You can actually walk through the shop, so you can almost. In fact, I wouldn't mind if I didn't have a job. I'd sit at these shopping centres <laughs> and I'd wait for the Google Snapper to come along because it's pretty obvious a bloke with a big pole sticking out of his backpack and a camera. <laughs> Um, and you'd you get know, a photo. You have a sign, hold up a sign, two blokes talking tech every you, week. Is absolutely. That That's exactly what you do. And, and we'd, we'd break the story, obviously, on Tech Guide and other places. So, you know, if you see a strange person walking around with a large backpack and a pole sticking out of it in a shopping centre, almost guarantee you. Say it's, cheese. Yeah. Yeah, it's Google. And, and you're about, they're about to add video, um, you know, photo uh, walkthroughs to these shopping centres. But anyway, okay. if you've got an Android phone, uh, check out the Google Maps indoor maps for a whole stack of places uh, on uh, your Android Google Maps now. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.
And it's all thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, the place to go for all your networking needs. Uh, and as we've said in the last couple of weeks, there is that great cash back offer going on with, uh, with Netgear. So get your home network up to speed with Netgear and receive cash back. Purchase an eligible high-performance dual-band gigabit router from Netgear and receive up to 50 bucks cash back via redemption on a Netgear Visa card. I mean, who wouldn't want a Visa card with Netgear on it anyway? But whole range of products from the R6300, which is a top top quality uh, dual-band gigabit uh, wireless AC router, so it's got the latest and greatest uh, wireless, all the way through down to the, the N600s, um, the ranges. So you get 50 or $30 cash back, uh, and that's valid only up until the end of this month. So uh, you've got until the 31st, uh, of March. Any purchases up until then of those Netgear routers are eligible for that cash back. Well worth a look and if you want more details about that, that competition uh, or anything else, go to netgear.com.au Now, I mean, you mentioned it earlier when we were talking um, phones, but you know, the, it is interesting that Apple have literally just disappeared off the radar, and I actually think Apple don't mind that. I reckon it's a great strategy for them just to let these rumors of other phones, other companies take over so that they can literally come out potentially with a shock. They can actually go, hey, boom, here it is. But leaving that aside, geez, Samsung are getting getting all the benefit of these rumors now. Samsung Galaxy S4 is the next big thing. We're going to hear about it from New York this Friday. And uh, essentially, mate, there's a lot of rumors going around. There's been a couple of leaked photos, um, people overlaying those photos with the old S3. There's been a video come out uh, in the last 48 hours. And, and that video really didn't show anything other than it looks pretty much the same, maybe a little bit fatter, actually, a little bit of a, a silver edge around the side. But it's it's the excitement that's building around a phone that um, is going to get Samsung the leap on everyone this year. Yep. While we talk about all the others getting... Get, get doing well samsung frankly have the leap when they announce this phone so friday's the big day mate I, i'm actually really looking forward to it well i think that you know, like the rumors are great but it, it's kind of doing something that apple is used to uh, for for samsung and that's that's uh, elevating expectations like people apple's yeah. biggest problem is managing expectations whenever mm. they release a new product now the same thing's happening here to Samsung, and they've really got to manage expectations. There's all kinds of rumors, as you said, floating about from, we mentioned a couple the other day, with eye scrolling mm. um, and lots of smart features. I've heard of another feature called the floating touchscreen, where rather, like the S Pen on the Galaxy Note, you know how you can hover the pen above the screen yep, yep. and open up an email? They reckon that that, that, that could be a, a feature, the floating, so you just got to put your finger above a folder and it will open up the, the actual folder without you having to actually physically touch the screen. Hmm. They're just a couple of the many, many rumors we're hearing, a different type of AMOLED technology, 8-core instead of quad-core. I saw the pictures too where it had a very narrow bezel, narrow frame. Hmm. So it's basically the same form factor, the same size device, but managing to fit in a bigger screen inside that area. So Hmm. Samsung have got – they're going to have to put out a very, very impressive device Friday morning at 10 o'clock it starts – the uh the the presentation in New York there the launch so uh, yeah mate we're all eagerly awaiting it and uh, now they're going to taste what Apple is used to and uh, trying to make sure that this device actually delivers and lives up to the hype and maybe this will make the the haters and the and the rumor mongers realize that you actually can't change the world every year. Um, you think about, you know, uh, uh, Apple, uh, the 4, the 4S, and the 5 was then the change, you know. The the Samsung Galaxy S2 was a really great phone. I remember it. I thought it was really great, light, 
good phone. My only complaint was a bit plasticky. The Galaxy S3 really blew us away because it was bigger. Um, the design was just a little bit more impressive. The, the build quality, a little bit more impressive. So if, if they use the same form factor... Uh, but with you know perhaps maybe a slightly bigger screen, maybe better processor and stuff, that they will get canned online. They they will cop a hammering because th- it won't. You're right. The expectation management will will be a problem for them. So That's interesting, right, yeah. interesting stuff. And I guess, mate, the the advice to everyone interested in this stuff. Um, is to keep your eyeballs on techguide.com.au over the weekend because that's where all the latest news and information will be about the Samsung Galaxy S4. Well, as I mentioned, Trevor, I'm down here in Melbourne. I'm not going to be doing hot laps around a track like a certain other podcaster that I know, but uh, uh, I'm down here actually for the opening of the Samsung Experience Store which is opening here in High Point. This is a brand-new shopping centre in the western part of Melbourne. It actually made the evening news down here on Channel 9. Right. Uh, they're, pred- they're predicting crowds, like Boxing day size crowds for the opening of this centre, right. which happens to include the Samsung Experience Store. Now, for anyone who lives in Sydney, there is a Samsung Experience Store, the first in Australia, in George Street, which actually just a down and opposite from the Apple Store. And what, as its name suggests, it is an experience store where you can go in and get your hands on the products, see how they interact with the other many Samsung products in the range, that whole ecosystem. This store I'm hearing is even bigger than the Sydney store, offers uh, Samsung's own, I forget what they've called it, their own genius bar type setup. Yeah. I don't think they've called it, I think they've called it a smart bar, I think is what they're going to call their one. Uh, but I could be wrong, I'll have to confirm that. But they're, they're trying to offer that same kind of experience as, they, as you would in an Apple store, so where you can bring your products in if there's any troubleshooting that needs to be done, but also get your hands on it and then have a, have a go and have a play with them. So you'd be out of the burbs, mate, looking through the store tomorrow. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one because... This is they're not rolling these things out ridiculously fast, are they? But they're certainly um, they're certainly you know trying hard. It is a good it is good timing though. No, absolutely. They're, they're, I think Samsung is a big enough company to have their own retail presence. Look at Apple; they're having huge success with Apple, and the reason their products sell so well so quickly is because Apple have a retail machine in place. Their stores, people know exactly where to go to buy their products. Mm. That's why people line up; they know exactly where to go. I think Samsung are positioning themselves in the same way where they can have this distribution system working in their favour as well where there is these key key points where their products are available and showcase. And often, uh, as is the case with Apple and many companies, when you get your hands on a product and actually try it, that's usually the last 12 inches of the sale where you think, okay, I'm going to buy this product. That's what Samsung are aiming to do here. And, you know, High Point's not that far out of Melbourne CBD, so it's quite an interesting strategy to, to start in the in the burbs, as you would say, uh, up there in the kind of uh, northwestern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, you know, something a little bit different than going just the CBD route. So uh, interesting stuff. And uh, once again, Stephen's down there for that opening. So um, best place to see all the photos from the launch is to follow Stephen on Twitter, Stephen Fennick, and then uh, check it out at techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, um, Facebook in the news at the end of last week, and interestingly, it didn't pick up the same amount of news as I thought it would, but there might be a reason for that I'll go into. Essentially, Facebook has announced they're going to completely redesign the website, and uh, that normally cops a lot of flack from from users of Facebook (laughs) because, you know, that people hate change. And when you've got... 
50% of the Australian population on your website, you, you know, you've, you're going to upset some people because they're, they're used to it a certain way. So what they've basically announced is they're cleaning it up. They're getting rid of all the, the nav on the left-hand side. That's just going to be icons. And then all all your news feed items will be much more graphically placed. So images are a much bigger and a more important part of Facebook these days. And that's this is an acknowledgement in my book that that's their point of difference. Photos, people uploading photos, people sharing photos, all that kind of stuff. That's um that's their point of difference. So they're completely redesigning for that. And I think maybe the reason it hasn't caught flack yet is because it hasn't happened yet. You know, so when it starts to happen, uh, you yeah. expect all the normal whinging, moaning, and and posts that say this is how you change it back. Posts that say this is where you got to <laughs> vote to to get it back, and all that kind of crap. No, Deal with it, people. You always do. You always have. It, it's actually going to look really nice, and um, they're going to have to f- find ways of doing this kind of thing because it's going to have to change the mobile site because they need to monetize these things. Exactly, and and it's, the, the good thing is that the look will carry across all the mobile sites. Yeah. But I think apart from it just being an aesthetic thing, we're making the the news feed look better and a bit easier to navigate I think we need to drill down a little bit more sort of at Facebook's motives like one of of the other things that you can do with this redesign is filter your newsfeed so you might want to just look at photos you might want to look at music recommendations uh, the the pages that you're following things like that and I think too that, that, that one of Facebook's motives as you touched on is revenue they're going to try and make it easier to slip in advertising in the in this new look face this new look news feed. I had one on my news feed the other day. There was a thing labeled a suggested post. Yeah, it's so annoying. It was annoying. a Qantas ad. It was Qantas ad. It offered me the opportunity to like the page. It was this little post from Qantas picture and an icon. So I think you're going to see a lot more of those sort of subtle placements with this new news feed as well. So it's not just all about looks, it's all about the money as well. Yep, yeah, they have to find a way to monetize this. Uh, they have to really blow this out of the park because, um, you know, they could not lose money, but they certainly could start losing share of money. And that's a really important thing for them. So look, we'll be interested to hear you whinging when it happens. Uh, we know that's what's going to happen, but you'll all have to deal with it. And uh, life goes on, essentially, people. It's not the end of the world. It's just Facebook. Uh, Facebook newsfeed coming very soon to, uh, to a Facebook website near you. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and now, here's an interesting little uh, story that I picked up. It was a result of a survey by uh, discount mobile provider Amasim. Now, what it was, what it was it revealed was the fact that Australians are obsessed with shooting and sharing their photos on social media, no matter yep. where they are. The most popular places Guilty. like restaurants, yeah, at events, various things like that. Now, what the survey found, they said that 56% of people say that they feel like they've forgotten to enjoy the actual moment, to mm. live in the now, rather than the f- fussing around with the photos, sharing them. They're kind of missing what's going on around them, which uh, is a little alarming when you think about it because, you know, we're, we're, we're living our life through, like, essentially through the lens of a smartphone. Mm. And, look, I, I actually, we talked about this on the radio during the week. I totally agree, and I think there's certain places where you just don't need to be snap happy. A wedding is a great example. Take that one photo of, you know, when they're cutting the cake or when they're signing the registry or when they're coming down the aisle, but don't snap the whole bloody thing because in the end, you, for a start, you're not the only one taking a photo. There'll be photos. Relax. Um, secondly, yeah. you know, you can actually just enjoy the moment a little bit. Uh, restaurants is a place that I literally really hate taking photos. Um, it's got to be a pretty good meal for me to want to take a photo of it. Yes. Um, but, you know, guilty, I have done it sometimes, but certainly not all the time. And um, people do. People literally take photos of all but their it- bloody meals. 
even though you think about a lot of people who tweet a lot, you know, you're tweeting there, your head's down on your screen and you're tweeting about what you're seeing or hearing or doing. Uh, and but it comes at the cost of actually what you're doing. So if you're, you've got your head down, uh, maybe at the football, you're actually missing the football uh, a few seconds of the football at least. But the, the, that's got to be taken into account too. And the stats show that a lot of people on the photo side show that the reason they took the photos was to preserve the memory of that mm-hmm. event. But only eight percent of those people actually went back to look at those photos after they were posted online. And not surprisingly, the 25 to 34 age group was the most active. 53 percent of them. So uh, you know, are we? Are we? Uh, I don't want to be too philosophical here, but are we actually taking too much trouble to share an event with people who aren't there at the cost of the people who you're with? There will be people doing theses and PhDs on this for years because it's a bloody good question. I mean, I made the point on TUE this week that, you know what, yeah, I take a lot of photos. And, you know, I was at T-Ball on the weekend mucking around with Harry. He's, you know, he's 15, what, 18 months old or something. And, you know, he's just swinging on poles and I took took photos of it. And I said to Stuart on TUE, I said, you know, I took photos of it because it's something cute. It's something I can show people. And I turned the phone to him and I showed him and I went, mate, but you would never have seen this if I didn't take a photo. I couldn't describe that to you. So it does help you share in the moment too, because you got to remember that you carry your phone around with you, right? So if you um, if if you have this ability not just to socially share, but just to literally you know wallet style share, that's a big change too. So there, there's a balance between you know right. missing the moment and exactly. and enjoying the moment even more. I think moderation is the key there, Trevor. Moderation, absolutely everything in moderation, uh, Stephen, okay. and uh, that's what you find at uh, TechGuide.com.au. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. All right, let's wrap this up. I got a plane to catch. We'll sleep to have before that. Uh, so, uh, importantly, the the minute reviews here, and uh, I'm very interested in both of these because um, the first one is the Kogan Agora phone. I've got this at the moment, and I, I think I pretty much agree with you in in the re- review I read already at TechGuide.com.au. Yes, the Kogan Agora is a $149 smartphone. Now, just on looking at the specs, five inch phone, dual core, one gigahertz processor, four gig internal storage. Uh, that's a pretty good proposition. Add on top of that the fact that it can take two SIM cards. Now, it's not a 4G phone. One of the SIM card slots is 3G. The other's only 2G. Think of how good that would be for tradie, maybe someone who's carrying two phones. They can put that back into one. Now, you're not going to get a Galaxy S3 or an Optimus G quality phone for 149 bucks. Mm. Don't expect it to be that cheap. Now, yes, the screen's pretty good. It's no AMOLED full high definition. The, there's only 5, 12 meg of RAM. Uh, the camera's pretty average. And, you know, the, the it's got an older version of Android. I'm just sort of pointing out this. It's not 4G, as I mentioned. But you know what? For $149, what do you expect? It provides a lot of bang for your buck, especially in this climate now where there's people who can buy outright devices and get a pretty cheap mobile BYO SIM card plan. I think this is an ideal device for those sort of entry-level low mobile users and those who just don't care about the quality, just want to be able to stay in touch, use an app. 149 bucks. I think it's probably one of the best pound-for-pound value phones on the market. Oh, mate, and just quickly, I totally agree with you. I would say, though, I'm not a fan of the screen. The screen really is a bit dull for me, um, but I know a little bit of advice for people. Um, if you have been holding out for one, don't stress the, the next batch of them. 
slightly improved, slightly improved batch my information. So I had I had a person comment on my story saying, "Oh, it's a, a deal breaker. Is it's only got five hundred and twelve meg of RAM." Oh, get over yourself. And I said, "I said, mate, what do you expect for one hundred and forty nine bucks?" Exactly. Like anyway. Anyway, moving on to the uh, movie uh, camera. Yeah, well, the, the big the big thing nowadays uh, is strapping cameras to yourself and getting out there and enjoying all your activities. The, obviously, the GoPro is probably the go-to item in this category, but it is a bit expensive. It's full high definition, so you're paying for that. You're paying for the whole the name. You're paying for the brand. But there is another little camera called the Movie. That's spelled M-U-V-I, the Movie Atom action camera. It's the smallest. It's the world's smallest action camera, four centimetres tall, and it comes with a watertight housing so you can take it in, in swimming, surfing, you can take it skateboarding, skydiving, whatever you want. It only shoots standard definition, but it's, it's only $199. It's, a, it's an affordable action camera that, while it doesn't shoot HD, is a pretty good value product. There's plenty of attachments uh, and straps, so you can, rather than have to go out and buy that as you would with a GoPro, a lot of the stuff's included. So it, it's a sort of kind of a budget action cam. And the fact that it's so small can be used not only for your sports and activities, it, it could also be used as a surveillance camera if you did want to. There, there are mounts for it that can be stuck up on a wall, uh, so you can use it in a number of ways. Full review at techguide.com.au. It's $199.95. And that's a wrap for episode 105. Thanks to Netgear, netgear.com.au, for all the information. And you can read about most, of, nearly every one of those stories, if not now, then tomorrow, at techguide.com.au. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Stephen, talk to you next week. Yes, you will, and have fun tomorrow, Trevor. Oh, I will. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.